This is the Ignition Show, an after show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pull it apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side-by-side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So when I reflect on this conversation with Jill Wheatley, who had uh, the traumatic brain in- injury and so many other elements, there's so many elements of her story that on their own would be kind of jaw-dropping what she had to deal with. But when you stack all of them into one experience over a couple of years, it's incredible. And for me, the biggest takeaway is just, uh, just an, an amazing reminder that Jill is of the vast capacity we have to deal with challenges and come out on the other side. Uh, a new person with a different perspective. Absolutely. And let's recap really, really quickly for anyone who didn't have a chance to listen to the interview, although I recommend you do. In the course of two years, it started with, um, she got hit in the head with a, with a hit, like a batted baseball. And that caused brain damage, the loss, uh, significant loss of vision, and the brain damage resulted in an eating disorder. And all of this happened in a country that didn't speak English. So when she went to the hospital, she not only had to overcome the injuries, but also try and maneuver through a medical system where not many people spoke English. And then bounced around from hospital to hospital, country to country, looking for the experts who could give her the answers, not ever really finding the answers she was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a remarkable story. And I'm so grateful for Jill to share it with us, but just to share it in general. And uh, her blog, mountainsofmymind.com, is an incredible, uh, she's done an incredible job of capturing the journey that she's been on. And as I said, it's just a, uh, just a great testament. And, you know, um, you come across these stories every once in a while, and you just can't fathom what that individual has gone through. And in some ways, I think some of the most inspiring stories we ever hear, whether it's movies, books, or people in the you know people in the public eye, the most inspiring stories are people who had a, who have a straight line to success. It's people who have overcome tremendous odds, and Jill is a shining example of what's possible. Yeah, you know, listening to the interview just afterwards, I had to pause it and just sit with it for a little bit because it made me feel so humble. Mm. I mean. And we say this, I say this all the time in these after shows, how timely, but you look at our situation now where we are self-isolating, a lot of people are going a little stir crazy to say the least. Um, People are being triggered by not being able to go through their daily routines and, and people are frustrated. They're fearful of the uncertainty that surrounds us. 
And fear, adversity, and uncertainty don't tend to bring out the best in people, yeah. especially when we're isolated, yeah. right? Like I'm seeing it on social media. I'm talking to friends. People are going a little nutty. And then to hear Jill's story about how she in, she endured incredible uncertainty, incredible fear, or I would imagine fear of not knowing what was going on and would she ever get better for two years, yeah. bouncing around the medical system and coming out with this really positive, really empowering journey just made me feel so humble that anything I'm going through, feeling stir crazy with our little guy and, you know, our routine has changed and, and the people that are in and out of our life to help our, our lives, um, aren't there to help us support us. It just makes me feel like, okay, I can get through this. There's after hearing Jill's story, there's no question that we can get through this. Yeah. And it reminds me as you're talking there, I was just catching a clip the other day of an old video from an event uh, with Tony Robbins speaking. And he, what he said was, and it must've been the, the start of a long you know, event or something. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to, what I'm about to say is the most important thing of this whole event. And it's going to sound really boring, but you'll realize afterwards it's true. And what he said was the quality of our life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty we can comfortably live with. Mm. And I have seen that play out so much in the clients I've worked with and the work I've done and even in my own life that when you can get comfortable with uncertainty to a certain extent mm. um, versus trying to fight it, wrestle with it, uh, resent it, or um, um, you know, fold from it, when you can really understand that the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty you can comfortably deal with, the scope of your well-being, your happiness, your, your belief in yourself to cope with anything just starts to soar. And you're right, this is a crazy time we're in with the COVID-19. Um, and it's a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. And as we often talk about is that um, it's never the external circumstances that are really the defining factor. It's how you respond to them. And I think this has been a wake-up call for a lot of people, this environment we're in. A wake-up call for a lot of people as to how do they respond to challenges and uncertainty and stress and the unknown. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day, one, a friend who's very reflective and, and meditates a lot. And she was saying, you know, I, I think this is all happening for a reason, this COVID-19 and the self-isolation, that we are meant to stop what we're doing and kind of retreat from our lives and figure out how we want to move forward and and what is the lesson we need to take from from this episode and everyone will need to take a different lesson mm. and the minute she said that i knew what my lesson was for this episode for this period of our life and i haven't um i haven't resolved it yet i'm still definitely working on it today was an example where it's, it's reminding me, it's coming up and up, you know, coming up more and more. And it's the idea of surrender mm. in, and forget the uncertainty of COVID-19. It's the uncertainty of what my day is going to look like, mm. or, you know, how am I going to get this done? Because I feel like I need to for the business, but I don't have time because our nine month, nine month old needs my attention and, and, uh, the support we normally have. Um, isn't, isn't here. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's that uncertainty. And, uh, you mentioned the, the emotions of frustration, resentment, um, confusion, all of these things 
uh, come up for me during the day, not, not predominantly, but they, they do. And it's just a reminder to surrender. And I think that was, uh, Jill's message is to surrender and, and let go. And I, 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 I don't know if she mentioned it explicitly, but when you asked her, you know, why do you run? Why do you run such long distances at such high altitudes? And, and you said, you know, normally people are running away from something or running to something. And she said, no, I'm running just to be. That's mm. when I have clarity. That's when my my mind is clear and I can think. Yeah. And for me, that's that's surrender. Yeah, and I don't I don't recall if you use the word surrender directly, but I remember one of her biggest lessons was um, the the idea of impermanence. That nothing nothing stays the same, and even the toughest times are going to come to an end. There's going to be something, a new day, a new dawn, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, and it's the same with what's going on in our, our world right now. But I think the with Jill's story of just being, you know, and there's just every once in a while, as I said, you come across these stories where you just think, like, how could the person survive? Let alone even, like, have a will to do anything. And, you know, the reality is that she was in a very dark place for a very long time. But she's in a, like... She didn't use her language, but it's not what she said. But I kind of look at look at it and hear what she's saying and read between the lines. And she feels like she's in a very peaceful, beautiful place. Mm. I'm sure life isn't easy, but... Well, and listening to this actually reminded me of an interview you did around August of last year, I believe. And it was with Andrew O'Brien, mm-hmm. the, the man who walked 100 miles to visit his mother in prison to forgive her. and For committing, a, for murdering his stepfather and trying to Frame use him yeah, exactly it, it was a really messy story and listening to his childhood um made me think then like wow we have no problems you know mm. listening to how he was brought up in his childhood and how he was treated and and all the circumstances of his childhood and how he used that to come into a, a much more peaceful um healthier place and how he's still working on it similar to jill she's still working on it but the first thing that came to mind that is, is kind of, um, it's overused that we have no problems. You know, when you hear some, something like this, you hear stories like this where it's so traumatic that it puts our life and our problems, um, it just minimizes them. Mm. And so that was my first reaction. But then I thought, no, problems are relative. So we all, you know, we all bump up against stuff. But then my second thought was, wow, okay, so we all have problems. I wouldn't trade mine. Mm. You know, I, I, we all have our problems. I have mine. I have my frustrations, my fears, my uncertainty, my resentments, my guilt. And those are, you know, those are as a result of the problems I have in my life, my perceived problems. But I wouldn't trade them for anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I often say that there are millions of people on the planet right now that would beg for our problems, and I don't mean ours as in you and me, but ours is for most people in the you know modern world living an okay life with a roof over their head. Who's listening to this podcast either yeah. on their iPhone or yeah. their you know thousand um, dollar smartphone, or listening it listening to us through Bluetooth on their in their fancy car driving on uh, you know on a freeway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we. That said, we all have our problems, but to be grateful for the problems we have. Yeah. I mean, right now, living in uncertain times, to be 
isolated in a home with people you, for the most part, love. (laughs) And I say that because isolation can bring out the best and worst of us. Um, But to take a look and be grateful for the problems we have. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jill's one of Jill's message was about uh, you change your perspective, you change your life. And her turning point, while she couldn't pinpoint one one particular turning point, it was because she took a totally different perspective. And she went from, um, um, you know, ready to fold up a life that she was never going to have and turn it into a celebration of a life that she did have. Mm. And I think it's, there's something magical in that story and in that insight that as we're going through challenges, uh, you know, as we're going through really difficult times, and especially there's still lots of uncertainty for people in the world right now, that, um, um, to recognize that if we can change our perspective, you see things from a different light. You know, I often use the metaphor as well that someone could be, you could be extracted from your situation. Imagine a spaceship comes and sucks you away and someone else lands with your exact same experience, exact same knowledge, exact same ideas and, and ambitions. And they'll do things differently in your life. They'll manage their tasks differently. They'll manage their emotions differently. And sometimes we forget, we get our blinders on so much that we think our way of doing it is the only way of doing it, or, or the way that we see it is the only way. And um, I think Jill, um, as she likes to say, she loses sight, but she gains vision. Mm. And for someone who only has you know, no, no vision in one eye and 60% of vision in the other eye, limited, at that, limited movement at that point, um, sometimes it takes someone like that to wake us up. Mm. And uh, I have huge respect for Jill for the raw vulnerability of her story and, and what she shares. And it all, it's also a great testament to the power of vulnerability mm. and the power of really being authentic and open and being an open book on your struggles. What was interesting, right before recording this, uh, you were telling me about some of the blogs you had read in preparation for the interview. And I don't think you had a, a chance to really dig deep into the darkest, darkest moments of that journey for her. But you did mention that um, it seemed by reading those blogs that she didn't surrender initially. I no, mean, no, no. She, she, she was really fighting the situation. She was the worst patient, she said. <laughs> fighting the doctors, disagreeing with the anger, resentment, throwing things, all of that. All of those negative emotions were swirling around for sure. And you mentioned that at one point she, she blogged that she uh, escaped the hospital to go for a run. She would sneak out of her room against doctor's orders and just get outside and get into nature. Which, given the self-isolation that we have right now, is probably relatable for a lot of people. Yes, yes. Um, but it's interesting how we we go through that that cycle of, okay, I'm going to fight this, fight this, fight this. And then there comes a moment where we surrender. And sometimes it's because you've just fought too hard that you have no energy to fight anymore. Yes. Sometimes you just come up against something that you realize is not worth the fight. But you surrender and somehow life gets better. And I'm saying this from a moment of, uh, from a place where I have not yet surrendered. Mm. But I, I realize, in, intellectually, I realize that once I do, things will get better. I'm just, I'm still fighting it. Well, and I think the, what was coming up to me as you were saying that was um, the power of surrendering combined with vulnerability and, you know, as I think Jill and I talked a little bit about, um, it makes sure it makes me, it's a reminder that the reason, the simple reason, maybe oversimplified reason we struggle with being vulnerable at times 
is because we are afraid of the consequences of opening up. Mm. And typically we're afraid of some of our greatest fears that people won't accept us, that uh, we, we won't, won't be loved. loved we're not we're enough. Not, we're not not enough, not good enough, and we will be rejected by the ones closest to us and by society at large and, and die a painful death being tarred and feathered in public. Like that's Which, where our imagination goes. But when... Which is so funny because when people are the most vulnerable is often when they're most attractive. Exactly. They're, and not attractive like sexually, but just like you're magnetized towards them to help them out or to hear more or just be with them. Absolutely. It's heart opening when you hear someone be just call it as it is with a, with a, with a, with an air of either I'm scared or I don't know what to do, but here's where I'm at. And I think that's also the, maybe the bookend of the story of the power of the human spirit to overcome anything and to invite other people to um, be more open as well. And I, I again, I, I applaud Jill so much for her story. And, and um, you know, I know that there's someone listening to this, someone to listen to this conversation here who has maybe been holding back in some way, holding back, afraid of, revealing the real their real self they're afraid of having that uncomfortable conversation whether that's a door opening conversation to say i want more of something from a relationship from an opportunity from a job or someone who wants to close the door on something to say this relationship is over or i need to change or i'm not ready or whatever it may be and i i i hope that that person listening to this can take some inspiration from Jill, maybe take some inspiration inspiration from this conversation to say, I don't need to be afraid. And because the in virtually every single case, after being vulnerable, there's a new sense of freedom and liberation and accept, greater level of acceptance well beyond what anyone could, uh, could possibly imagine. Mm. And I would say to anyone who's um, retelling the story of poor me mm. because of my circumstances... And if, if you're playing that, that story around your head to yourself, um, listen to this interview and, and also listen to the Andrew O'Brien interview, because when you hear those stories, it, it just helps put our own lives into perspective. Yeah. And we'll include a link in the show notes for the Andrew O'Brien episode as well. And on that note, one thing that I have been trying to put into practice throughout this self-isolation and, and hearing this interview just kind of reminded me is I'm going uh, up to our loft space and I'm going to meditate for 30 or 40 minutes because that keeps me sane during these these times Woo-hoo. of uncertainty and it helps our relationship as well. <laughs> okay. okay. Do I have an amen? <laughs> so... That's where I'm headed to right after this conversation. But I want to hear from from the listeners. I I've, I know I've been, I won't say struggling, but I've had my moments uh, where the self-isolation is, has uh, not brought out the best in me. And it's it's made me realize that I need to surrender. I don't always realize that in the moment, but upon reflection, I, I do. I'd love to hear from you. How How are things going for you during self-isolation, how has this interview or even this discussion helped you think about where you can surrender more in your life or where you can be more vulnerable or where you can step up and realize that you're more resilient than you ever thought you were? Yeah, great points. Until next time. Until next time.
So there you have it, our After Show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com connect. That's theignitionshow.com connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.